I'm very typically, you know, I love what I did and it, I would work all the time if I could, which is probably a clear indicator that I didn't know when to stop. And in hindsight, I probably was not looking after myself because um, I experienced some severe panic attacks out of the blue. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Tracy House on the show. Uh, good morning to you. Welcome to you, Tracy. Good morning, Julian. It's great to be here. It's good to see you. So you, you are an advanced oxygen advantage uh, instructor, and you teach the science behind functional breathing techniques, which we're going to be exploring uh, later on. And uh, These techniques can help improve concentration, mental resilience, uh, sleep quality, and reduce stress and anxiety amongst a few aspects of things you may be talking about. Uh, you're also a, a raid uh, freediver, uh, and freediver is all about going underwater and just relying on your breath uh, until you resurface, not using any breathing apparatus, which sounds very cool and sounds very scary as well. Um, and you specialize in training, and, and that's inspired you to expand your knowledge of functional breathing to improve your general health and well being as well. Uh, so, we're going to be talking a lot about breathing today which we all do every day or every moment of our lives we do breathing and we're going to be talking about that but before we get into that uh, Tracy I'd like to know what, what do you love about what you do? For me personally and for my clients it's the transformation that you go through when your self-awareness improves to the, the level where you you can correct dysfunctional breathing and the impact that that has on the body. Um, for example, I've had a client who suffered from severe insomnia for over two years. And after practicing functional breathing techniques, she was able to get a full seven hours of unbroken sleep per night. You know, And that is a gift you give yourself. Um, for others, it could be sports performance. I had a client who was preparing to swim the English Channel. And... I was his breath coach next to his personal trainer, his swim coach, um, his nutritionist, as you do. And one of the additional benefits he found that including improving his performance in the water is that he was impressed with how much his sleep improved. And we'll often use wearable tech to track the data associated with these changes. So it's, it can be really motivating for people. So you've given some two powerful examples there. Uh, obviously, both obviously to sleep, also high performance. Um, and we're going to be talking about a sort of functional breath work. So before we, I guess, dive into that, um, can you just explain what it is, and so we know what we're talking about? So people, in a in a layman's terms, understand what we all know how to breathe, or do we know how to breathe? That would be the interesting thing on this. So, yeah, so what is functional breath work? So functional breathing is your day-to-day -day breathing, how you breathe when you're awake, when you're asleep, and when you exercise. And of course, we do it without thinking. It's just, you know, we all breathe to live. But 
when breathing is not functional, it manifests in the body in various ways. And that's, these are the ways or the telltale signs for us to realize that something has to change. And oftentimes it will be simple things. For example, you might feel a bit of tension in the upper neck and shoulders. You might feel tension at the top of the chest. You may have poor circulation, so cold hands and feet. Um, snoring is a very good example of dysfunctional breathing. And some of us may not experience any of that. I certainly didn't until I did, and I didn't understand what was happening. Um, and through my personal journey, my health journey, I realized how important learning how to breathe correctly was, which is how I got to where I am today. And just, just on your personal journey, what was it that got you into this? Because obviously you, 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 you have clients, you, you help teach about breathing, it helps you with your free diving. So what was the sort of personal journey that got you to really focus on this and sort of make a, almost a career out of it? Well, I, I go back about five years. Um, I was living and working in London. I had uh, two businesses, uh, one with a business partner. And I'm very typically, you know, I love what I did and it, I would work all the time if I could, which is probably a clear indicator that I didn't know when to stop. And in hindsight, I probably was not looking after myself because um, I experienced some severe panic attacks out of the blue. And if you've never had a panic attack before, it, it is frightening. You know, you, I thought I was having a heart attack. My throat closed. I couldn't breathe. And I felt powerless. And it terrified me. And I ended up in A&E. And the doctors did the usual clinical checks and said, well, it's probably a panic attack. You know, you're fine. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case because these started to happen repetitively over time. And I struggled with sleep for about 18 months. And I was incredibly anxious all the time, worrying that I was going to have another panic attack. So it just exacerbated the certain situation. And out of desperation, I mean, I, there was no medication you could take, but out of desperation, I just, I was speaking to a family member and they said, well, have you considered meditation? And I hadn't, and I didn't think, you know, that that would have any impact at all because I didn't really understand what it was. But I thought I have to be open-minded um, and open-hearted. And I ended up researching and finding a meditation retreat and I ended up attending this 10-day silent retreat, which was very challenging. But the premise of it was focused on nasal breathing, which sounds so simple when you say it. <laughs> but when you have to sit for eight hours and focus on breathing in and out through your nose, believe me, <laughs> it is not easy at all. <laughs> um, but with perseverance, you know, there were times where I thought, why am I here? What am I doing? You know but I persevered with the help of my teachers. I started to I feel like I was getting, my sleep started to improve. And I left that retreat convinced that there was something in this and I wanted to understand more. So I started researching breath work. So was the retreat more, was it the meditation piece more or was it the breathing or was it a bit of both they were doing in terms of how they went about it? To be fair, I 
struggled with just sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to sit here and close my eyes and think of something. It just didn't, that didn't work for me. And that doesn't work for a lot of people because it's a very abstract um, experience if you've never done it before and not had any guidance. Mm. So focusing on the breathing, that is the anchor that focuses the mind and helps you to move into a meditative state. So for me, it was very much about focusing on the tangible aspect of that experience, which was the breath work. And what did that do for you then? So obviously you got, did you, that inspire you those 10 days? I mean, it sounds like a long yeah. time to be focusing on your breathing for <laughs> eight hours a day for 10 days. Um, it did. It, may, it had a profound impact. And I know not, not everyone's going to want to go and do something like that, you know, mm. but at the end of the day, it worked for me. And I came out of the experience um, having learned something that I could do myself using these breathing techniques to help me sleep, calm my anxiety, and essentially get me out of that dark place I was in before. So mentally and physically, I felt so much better and I wanted to understand why it worked. So that's why I started researching. Um, and that was the beginning of the journey for me, really. Because obviously meditation, I mean, I know there's, there's breathing to it, but also meditation creates this, this mindfulness approach. And we know that mindfulness, you know, connects more the, the prefrontal cortex with the amygdala and all that sort of stuff. And it starts mm -hmm. to take you from a stress position more to a, more at peace because you're you're more in the moment aren't you and, yeah. and i think that's often the, the the driver how does the breathing not only does it help with the anchoring and focusing how does that there's something more than just the mindfulness piece here isn't yeah. there well now that i understand much more about it i think i can answer that question um better than i could when i where i experienced it the first time mm. when we are able to slow our breathing down and really focus on the sensation in the body because that is the key, the inhale and the exhale. When you feel it, that helps the mind to focus. So that is a mindful activity mm. as it is. But what also happens is you are stimulating the vagal nerve, um, which is the largest nerve in the body, which connects to all our major organs. And this also enables us to shift from what we call the sympathetic state in the nervous system where you are in fight or flight or action stations to parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest phase. And by being able to shift the body and the mind into that state with this consistent slowing down of the exhale, you are able to move yourself into what we would call a meditative state. Even if you've never practiced meditation before, which is an interesting concept when I talk to clients who are typically high performers. You know, they don't come to me to meditate. They come to me for breathing techniques. And I will say to them, we're going to use these breathing techniques to move you into a calmer state. And then they'll say to me afterwards, is that what meditation feels like? <laughs> it's like, there you go. So I don't claim to be a meditation teacher, but you, they, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And by understanding how the body, as you mentioned, how the brain responds to this, we can empower ourselves to change states just through the breath. So what else does it do? I mean, obviously there's the impacts that makes you more on the parasympathetic as opposed to the sympathetic system. 
How does it do all that? What's what is going on? What, what, what is there some sort of physiological thing happening here, isn't there? When you focus on nasal breathing compared to mouth breathing, typically individuals that are suffering from anxiety, panic um, disorder, you know, they will breathe from the upper chest. And that is not activating the diaphragm, the lower part of the lungs at all. And they're not getting sufficient oxygen into the blood. So when you shift to nasal breathing, we have a molecule called nitric oxide that activates in the nose, which doesn't happen in the mouth. And along with carbon dioxide, this acts as a vasodilator. In other words, it relaxes the blood vessels, allows more oxygen-rich blood into the lungs, and actually can activate, as I mentioned before, the vagus nerve, which is going to bring you into that parasympathetic state. So the body is a remarkable in that respect. You know, and when I discovered this, I was thinking, wow, how can, you know, how else can you do this? You know, how else can you have more nitric oxide so you get more oxygen into the body and to stimulate the brain? And there are various techniques like breath holding, humming, which can help with that process. And I find that really interesting. That's fascinating. And I love that there's some real science behind this because I think mm. sometimes people look at like meditation and, and see it as a little bit abstract, a little bit woo-woo and what's going on there, not entirely sure what's happening. And even mindfulness, even though there's there's lots of research now with mindfulness, the, the impact that has on brain activity. So there's more science behind that. But it's great to hear there's some real signs of why breathing, nasal breathing or proper breathing uh, actually does have a, an impact, a positive impact. Now, we're all born and we all, um, obviously, we need breath every, whatever, few seconds, whatever it is, I don't know how often we need to breathe. Why don't we breathe properly? What is, it seems interesting that we, we're born with something that we our bodies should know how to breathe properly, but yet we're not breathing properly because you're saying we're more breathing from our mouth or through our nose. So, so what was made us not breathe properly? What, what was caused that issue there? Just bad habits. You know, not, I would, and to clarify, not everyone is going to be a typical mouth breathing, not uh, mouth breather. But when you are, when we're born, and actually if you look at a newborn baby, they tend to naturally breathe from the nose and they barely breathe, the tummy moves up and down. And they breathe like that for at least six months. And then over time, we get into bad habits where the mouth is a larger surface area than the nose. It seems impractical. Well, if you can open your mouth and breathe and you can get more air in, why wouldn't you? And it becomes a default so that we don't, it's almost subconscious behavior that you don't realize you're doing it. Um, and I realized with myself, for example, I used to do athletics at school, but I was a terrible long distance runner. I'd, I couldn't get past, you know, 800 meters, I'd be done. But I could do really, really well on sprinting, for example. And I didn't know about this, obviously, when I was, you know, that age. But over time and going to the gym and exercising throughout my life, I realized I was breathing through my mouth a lot, which tires out the body ties out the diaphragm and take you taking all this unfiltered bacteria filled air into your airways. And 
through my research and my, you know, the Oxygen Advantage who I'm certified through, I now can have a much deeper understanding to share with clients. You know, when you nasal breathe and you switch, that nitric oxide, you're taking in this filtered air because the nose acts as, a, as an antibacterial filter. Mm. We have immune-rich cells in the sinus cavity, which supports our immunity. You know, it doesn't mean you will never get sick, but it just means your body has a better chance of fighting infection. And particularly with exercise, if, you know, and I work with ultramarathon runners, for example, if they're consistently mouth breathing, they're putting a lot of pressure on the upper airways and that will in cause uh, exercise-induced asthma. So getting them to shift to nasal, which can take time, sometimes months, their performance improves dramatically. So this is almost like creating, obviously through your technique, through your work, in terms of a habit of being more nasal-driven. Uh, mm. And that seems to be the key thing, is breathing through your nose as opposed to breathing through your mouth. Absolutely. You know, and you brought up a really good point. It's about self-awareness. And most people I work with will say, oh, I think about my breathing all all through the day now, much more aware of it. It's like never, I've never thought about it before. And that's mm. such a good thing because, as I mentioned when we started, if you are conscious of body manifesting discomfort, you can change it. And this is why the breath is mm. so powerful because we can literally shift mouth to nose, slow the exhale down, focus on lateral expansion of the rib cage and the diaphragm, but you need techniques that you can practice so that that becomes your default. It doesn't become this thing you have to go, oh, actually, I need to breathe from the diaphragm today. Because <laughs> no one's going to think <laughs> like that, are they? Um, no. So the best, you know, I would say the results for, my, for me and my clients is when they've finished a program and they, they're not thinking about their breathing in that sense. They know how to breathe. They've put mm -hmm. those habits in place. And they are micro habits essentially. And over time, they just become your default. And the results speak for themselves good sleep, great performance, reduced anxiety. You know, the list goes on. So, taking these techniques, we are going to do a, a technique in a moment. Um, how making your breathing more functional and has it supposed to be breathing through your nose and more belly belly sort of breathing type of thing mm. how does that create high performance say in in the workplace as opposed to i'm not talking athletes here, i'm talking mm -hmm. in the workplace or how does that create greater mental resilience because uh, these are the sort of claims that people say that have you know sort of functional breath work can really do well in terms of being aware of your breathing you know the whole idea, the bottom line is we want people to breathe economically and efficiently because then the rest of the body will work in harmony. And in the workplace in particular, if you're sitting for a long time, people tend to slump forward, which means they are reducing the flexibility of the airways because they're leaning forward. Um, standing is, seems to be a much more po you know, popular way of working these days, which I, I'm a big fan of. But also when we stare at our computer screens, you actually don't blink as much as you, you normally would. 
And what this has actually been studied now um, through an American psychologist. And she found that by staring at the screen, you actually hold your breath, not even realizing that you do. Mm. And that can exacerbate, you know, fatigue, your energy levels drop, and, you know, your concentration then is affected, your focus is affected, your creativity. So your performance as a mm. whole cognitively is affected. And so making people aware, you know, of these, of changing their posture, movement, um, physical positioning of the body, that's one part of functional breathing, which is connected to the movement of the diaphragm, the rib cage. Mm. The other part of it is looking at the style of your breathing. Because typically if you are under stress, so you might be working to a deadline, you might be the team leader, the CEO, and you have to have a difficult conversation with a member of your staff mm. or your team, or you're the employee and you have to have a difficult conversation with your boss. Naturally, you're going to feel stressed. The body will immediately, the, the breathing will be impacted. So having a technique where you learn how to breathe through the nose, slow the exhale down, even if it's just for 90 seconds, can shift you from that stress state to calm. Mm. Um, that's just one example. Um, another example for the workplace is presentations. You know, how many of us have to do Zoom presentations and webinars these days to lots and lots of people? Even though you're on a screen, there is still that sense of, oops, I don't want to make a mistake, or, you know, nerves. It's mm. natural. We're not saying you shouldn't feel nervous or feel stress. It's how you manage that sensation in the body because that's all it is. And I have a range of techniques for preparing people, sometimes from the day before, for doing a big presentation mm. using breath work and movement. Um, but I always like to use a simple example. You know, think about going into the kitchen and making yourself a cup of tea or coffee. It doesn't take long, right? A minute, two minutes. If you can take that and just calm your breathing down for 90 seconds. That's all it takes to help you move into that, that parasympathetic state. Um, there's other examples, you know, um, for example, Stanford University, I listened to a lecture with Andrew Huberman, who's a well-known neuro um, ophthalmologist and also very interested in neuroscience. And they used the box breathing technique which is the inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, like a square, mm. as a preliminary exercise before lectures started to get everybody in the room on the same page, mm. get their brainwaves on the same page, calm and focused, and then you launch into the lecture. And I love that because I think that's a tool that business leaders could use with their teams. Mm -hmm. Two minutes of breath work before your big meeting every week. And this is not yeah. something unusual. It's been used before. It's just probably not known. Interesting. I, I did a, a presentation recently on um, about uh, visualization, how to use visualization for success. And before mm -hmm. we started, um, we did a technique at the end together and, uh, before we did that, I wanted everybody to get into a relaxed state. I did a, a breathing technique. It was probably, uh, it's my own, I just made it up sort of thing, but uh, it, it probably ended up being the, the sort of the box type one. And everybody did 
comply, they close their eyes and they're all breathing. They all and I think everybody just seemed quite chilled in the room actually, <laughs> which is really good actually. Um, although it was a breakfast meeting, so possibly some of them might have gone to sleep. I don't know, um, but actually it, it works, and, and I've I've used it in you know coaching some athletes I coach as well, where we did some mindfulness stuff and we did some breathing as well, just to sort of center ourselves a little bit. Ooh. And it's I, I'm fascinated by it. And I, what I love about this, what you're talking about, there is real robust research behind this. It's not just something, oh, you breathe in and it all works well. Actually, there's some yeah. real neuroscience behind it, some physiological stuff going on, and it's powerful stuff. And I think it's something we need to get more of in the workplace, in our personal lives, uh, to make it really impactful. Um, I'm interested in, in your free diving and just be interesting how why you got into that because that that's a you know free diving is well explain what it is and why you do it and i guess this comes hand in hand with what you're doing right now i guess with the breathing it is absolutely such a passion for me um my background with it really is i started scuba diving years ago and as much as i enjoyed being underwater i just felt very encumbered by the equipment and having grown up in South Africa, always been in water, in the ocean, I loved the freedom of just swimming. And I met a freediver at the London Dive Show a few years ago, and she inspired me. Yeah, I suddenly realized, wow, this thing that I'd you know, never tried before, but it felt like it, I could do it. Um, I could actually learn to do it safely, it become certified, um, which I decided to pursue. So in 2018, I joined a club, I got certified, and I started to compete. And that was um, incredible, you know, using breathing techniques out of the water to essentially improve your relaxation, improve your tolerance to carbon dioxide, which is really what, what we teach in functional breathing, because that's going to help you be less reactive to stress, just goes hand in hand with the sport that I love and I continue to train every week and um in fact I'm training how, 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 how deep do you go <laughs> how deep do you go with your diving I'm certified to 30 meters currently um, but I would like to shift that dial when I get the chance to do more open water training in warmer water and um yeah it is technical uh tactical of course but you cannot dive particularly depth if you're not relaxed. So using breathing techniques, mm. uh, meditation, yoga, it all goes hand in hand, really. It's a very holistic sport in that respect. Mm. So those people who are doing free driving like yourself will be doing all these breathing techniques mm -hmm. to help them sustain the, the tolerance of CO2 and relax them and not get stressed. Because obviously going down 30 meters, which is about 100 foot, um, is really deep. <laughs> potentially quite stressful and how you do it without uh, under duress I guess so you're more relaxed otherwise you, you might panic and then you you want to grasp for air and, and all those negative yeah. connotations come out of it I guess it's very much a mind game in that respect you know the, when I started doing it I you know I, I went down it's a very adaptive sport so you kind of go down to five meters and you go to six and you go to seven and you have to learn how to equalize. That's crucial. 
Um, and I say to everyone who's listening, who's interested. What, what do you mean equalize? Yeah. What's equalize? You have to equalize your ears. So you have to shift the air from the, um, the eustachian tubes and like your ears would pop like you are on an airplane. Okay. Because the pressure, the atmospheric pressure doubles as you, you know, as you get down to 10 meters. And if you don't equalize your ears, you can burst your eardrums. So you have to be really, really careful with learning how to dive safely with, you know, certified teachers so that you mm. do it. And I fortunately haven't had any issues with my equalization, but I know some people who have struggled and it's taken them years, but they loved the sport so much that they just continued until they could do it. Mm. Um, but it, it's a combination of factors, your, your mindset, your physical uh, strength, um, your CO2 tolerance, because that will hold you back. You know, if, you, if you're if you not tolerant, the diaphragm is going to contract and that's when the, the fight and flight really kicks in and you feel like mm. you, you, know, you don't want to be in that situation anymore. <laughs> so over time, you can, you can gradually go deeper and deeper safely by putting all of these uh, tools and techniques into practice. But the functional breathing that I do out of the water absolutely contributes to my sense of relaxation when I'm under the water because mm. I'm much calmer. I can hold my breath longer. And also because you're moving around, you're using a lot more oxygen. Mm. So you learn your limits and you work according to your limit. So, yeah, I think even if we compete, we're essentially competing against ourselves. Fascinating and interesting as well and, I, and i've watched i can't remember the lady who does that sort of longest free dive under under ice water and yeah you know, which even even more challenging not just that it's just normal water as you know, it's iced cold water mm. uh, which has another impact on your body because it's so cold and um mm. it's, uh, it's it's fascinating and it, it's what i like about this it's, it's a obviously a sport that you do but it that sport in itself because you have to do your breathing for it and your relaxation then helps you with your rest of your life in terms of your it's holistic isn't it in terms mm. of making you more mental resilient mentally tough uh, physically fit and everything else so uh, it's, it's fantastic isn't it? it i think more and more importantly we need to think a lot of things are so connected now and rather than put everything in a compartment of well, that's work or personal life or that's sport that's not sport actually things work together and we've got to be a bit more holistic about how we can keep ourselves mentally strong uh, and physically fit as well um it's been fascinating talking to you uh tracy and um, before we finish can we just do a demonstration a very quick sort of uh, technique of people sure. can either see this on on youtube if they're, if they're watching on there or they can obviously listen while they listen to the podcast now uh if you want to talk us through and i'll try and uh, join in as it were <laughs> <laughs> so um I think because I've mentioned, um, I mean, box breathing is something you use for focus and performance, but it can be very challenging if you've not done breath holds before. So I think I'll do what we call a breathing recovery exercise, which is really good for post-exercise, so you're warmed down, as well as if you're having any issues with your sleep. This is a great way to calm the heart rate bring those cortisol levels down and get you into your sleep cycle. Mm. So we'll do it. At, I like to call it the five ten. So you inhale through the nose with your mouth closed. You exhale. You hold your breath for five seconds. 
and then you breathe normally for 10. So let's do it for a minute and see how we go. So gently inhale through the nose, soft exhale, hold the breath for five, four, three, two, one, breathe normally for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Take a gentle inhale, soft exhale, hold your breath for five, four, three, two, one, breathe normally for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Take a gentle inhale, a soft exhale. Hold your breath for five, four, three, two, one. Breathe normally. So that's just a little, little taster. You well, can no, do and that. It, and it, it's very relaxing. You suddenly feel you you can't not be be relaxed. I just felt really calm, relaxed, stilled, and in a very good place. Actually, just yeah. I can see why that would be really useful after exercise as well, just to sort of mm. calm everything down and get back into that sort of relaxed state. And it's, you know, what we're teaching really is breathing patterns. We're interrupting your your, your normal pattern, mm. which is not serving you, with something that's going to get you into either a calm state or if it was box breathing, you would go into a more focused state because you're charging mm. the brain with oxygen. Um. But yeah, I'm sure we can add some notes in the show notes if people want to know more. Absolutely. Uh, fascinating conversation, Tracy. Um, um, yeah, I love, I love all this. I love how it has an impact on our mental well-being, has an impact on our physical bodies as well, but also improves our, our performance as, as individuals yeah. in what we're doing. Um, if people are really interested in what, what you just said to share today, how can they sort of connect with you, get in touch with you? What's the best way of doing that? Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn with my corporate clients, um, as well as Instagram. And I have a Linktree account, which has all my blogs and podcasts and my work. And I think that will also be in the show notes. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate you coming on the show, Tracy. My pleasure. Thanks, Julian. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.